What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Yes, and welcome into another edition of the Ballsy Podcast brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. I'm Sean Bass of the Ticket with Evan Grant, the beat writer of the Texas Rangers and the Morning News' own Kevin Sherrington in studio today. And we are thrilled, at least I'm thrilled, to be talking to uh, Michael Young, uh, the all-time hits leader of the franchise. He is now in a role of uh, assistant to the GM John Daniels with the Rangers. Michael, thanks for the time this afternoon. You got it. Happy to be here. You were formerly the face of the franchise. Does, are you now the butt of the franchise? Golly! Uh, I don't. I, I think I was always the butt of the franchise. Actually. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about the face of the face of anything. All right. I, I. You know. I've spent a couple days around the minor league system, and I'm going to spend a couple more days. So I've got minor league stuff that's that's on my mind, and I, I wanted to get your perspective on where you feel like as we go forward. You know, you're looking at a rotation that may need three starting pitchers for 2018. And I went and saw Oklahoma, uh, Round Rock at Oklahoma City this week, and I'm going to go see Frisco. Where is pitching going to come from from this system? Um, well, yeah, that's a good question. I, th- I think the biggest thing is um, when you talk about, at least when you talk about the minor leagues, let's hit on that first. Uh, I mean, it's no secret that a lot of our probably our, our top, uh, our prospects with the highest ceilings are in the lower levels right now. Uh, you have Cole Reagans down there who's having a fantastic start to his career. Uh, but I do think that you're seeing guys who are starting to make improvements. doesn't mean the guys in AA and AAA aren't making improvements. Johan is actually doing very well. Um, Corrado is actually a very talented kid with a, with a very high-pitching IQ. Um, and then when you talk about AAA, I mean, I, I'm very, honestly, I'm very impressed with what Nicky's been able, Nicky Martinez has been able to do this year. He's, the velocity's picked up a tick. He's always in great shape. He fills his position well. He's got a chance to help any pitching staff. Uh, having said that, going forward, how are we going to fill spots in the rotation? I mean, that's something I think this front office really thrives on. It's uh, uh, those type of things are, are basically a no stone left unturned type of uh, type of job. Uh, you have obviously free agents. You look at what Andrew Cashner has been able to accomplish this year. He's been very very good for us, and that came on a one year uh, free agent deal. So I think this front office is very good. I think this is where they actually thrive is uh, finding finding jobs for guys and making uh, big big impacts on the organization. Uh, where maybe other teams might not might not find it. Michael, I'm curious, just from a pitching one, I guess recent pitching note. Uh, Martin Perez said he made a mechanical adjustment. How how do you find something like that? Is it just si- simply video, or does the pitcher realize what he's doing, or how does that exactly uh, come to light? And how tough is it to seemingly quickly uh, turn it around and execute with a, a few really good starts here back-to-back? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a combination of all those things. I mean, I know for me personally, I was big on it. When anytime I felt like there was a mechanical adjustment to be made, I would, or I didn't, I felt out of sync. Um, you know, you don't know if it's a mechanical adjustment. It could be a mental adjustment. But for me, I would just get in front of the video and not really look at one specific thing, just really kind of keep my eyes and ears open and just watch it. Uh, see if I see something that's off. See if I see something I like. 
Um, and that's how I find a way to make my adjustments from a, from a day-to-day standpoint. Uh, with Martini, I mean, even though he's been here for a while now, he's still a young kid, and the stuff is legit. So I, I do think there's a whole other gear or two that he can hit in this uniform. So um, hopefully this is just a sign of things to come for him. Martin Perez is 26 years old, and I think there were a lot of people who thought last year after he had 199 in the third innings that, okay, now he's he's got a baseline, he's right at a 200-inning pitcher, now he needs to make the next step. Derek Holland was out of the picture. Martin Perez needs to be the guy that steps up. But I do think we what – what I feel like I see now is you can't just take a path and say this guy should take this step, this step, this step in some linear fashion. And, and and make the same amount of success. And and I think that's what we see with Martin Perez. And, and my comp here, not comp, but the example I'm going with is, is Nick Martinez to some extent. Mm-hmm. Nick Martinez is a guy who basically came from A with not much A experience and went thrown into the rotation and then was juggled back and forth for three years. Yeah, he hasn't had great success as a big league pitcher, but I don't know how much his his, his path to being finished off and being – a, a well-rounded pitcher was impeded by that need to rush him to the big leagues because they didn't have any other arms. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's a good point. I mean, I think that with, with Martin, I think it's one of those things where it, it happens a lot of times. You see it with, with guys who get to the big leagues quick. Um, they get to the big leagues when they're 20 years old, and, and they're expected to go out there and put this huge dent in the organization. And like you said, they want they wanted to follow a very standard uh, kind of like predetermined trajectory in their careers. And it just doesn't happen like that. Every guy's got a different ebb and flow in their career. Uh, you see a lot of times when people talk about Rugi and people talk about Joey um, and people talk about Nomar. Uh, it's, 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 they expect them to make this, like you said, this linear progression in their careers. It just doesn't work like that. I think a better way to look at it is to, is to really be uh, to be appreciative of the fact that they got here this quick. They've been able to be productive this quick. And their learning curve is going to be a lot shorter because of it. Um, you know, when I talk about those three, those three hitters, I mean, they've done things right now in their careers. I know for me personally that I was still in A ball or double A by the time they're, they've accomplished what they've accomplished in the big leagues. So all this to them is just, it's just part of the process, part of them learning. And pretty soon you're going to see them really putting up these big numbers and they're going to be the backbone of the organization. Michael. Long, long time ago, many, many years ago, the Rangers traded a starting pitcher for a minor league second baseman, and that worked out pretty well. Do you remember that guy? Louis Alcea. <laughs> no? No, no. Yeah. That deal worked out pretty well for everybody involved in that one. Is is Willie Calhoun – first of all, have you seen Willie Calhoun play? I have not seen him personally play yet, no. So Round Rock is obviously uh, high on my list right now to go to go check them out. I need to go see Jason Wood and see his staff and and uh, and see the see our new kid play for sure. But you've heard a lot about him, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know who's seen him play? That, that have you seen him play? I saw him play this weekend. You saw him play this yeah, weekend. Go ahead. So, and, so you're and, way so you're one up on Michael here <laughs> on this. Day. I'm always one up on Michael. Wow, <laughs> unbelievable. Just loading up. Keep just going. Loading up. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So uh, if he he certainly looks like the real deal here uh, from an offensive standpoint, he, he seems to really be able to hit. He's hit everywhere he's been, um, and and I think those kind of things generally do transfer, especially when you talk about a, a tool set where he he's not striking out very much, and and his walk to strikeout ratio is so good as well. Uh, but the, the the question is where where will he play? Uh, how how much different? Is that situation now from when you were coming up? 
Um, in terms of uh, in terms of how, like how just find uh, enough. If the guy can hit, you know, we're going to find a place for him. We don't care. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I think I, honestly, I think it's still somewhat similar. I, I do think though that obviously that there's a you ideally want to find a two way guy, uh, a guy who can kind of really find his natural position and excel at it. I think that with with this young guy right here, I think it's just the biggest thing right now is just to get our arms around him as an organization, get to know the kid, get to know what he does well. Uh, get to know his work habits, how much he loves to play the game. Uh, find out about him as a person, and that's what—that's the process we're in now. As time goes on, we'll try and see exactly, you know, what his, uh, you know, his, his defensive skill set offers in terms of where he's going to excel, where he's going to have the best chance to help, uh, help the team. Is it going to be more of a in a versatile role where he can bounce around and give the man- manager some options while trying to keep his, his bat in the lineup, or is it going to be one where he, he has some untapped potential at a certain spot? Um, I think those are the things that will. That's going to be fun for us as an organization to find out here as time progresses, especially in these next couple of months uh, as, he, as he rounds out his AAA season. I think in talking with the Round Rock folks over the weekend, and just what I saw him handle three fly balls on Sunday afternoon in the sun. They were all playing left field. fly balls. Yeah, playing left field. He's only played one game at second base, and he's DH'd once. Um, but in talking with the Round Rock people, you know, my question was my my question was tried to form about okay, what does he still need to do offensively to play at the big league level to make that translate to the big league level? And to a man, everybody that I asked said, "Well, what we need to do is find a defensive position for him." Yeah, and 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 so the underlying theme there is what he's got now will play at the big league level offensively. Uh, people talk about him always knowing where his bat the barrel of his bat is that he's got a really good feel for commanding the or, or controlling the bat. Um, he he scorched a triple on a quick pitch from Wilmer Font because the, the Dodgers were aware since they had him that he really doesn't like that quick setup. They tried to quick pitch him in his first at bat. He hit the he hit a ground ball, um, reached on an error, second at bat and he told me this when I talked to him. He said, after that first at bat, I realized I had to make some kind of an adjustment. He was ready for it. Turned on, a, on an inside fastball and, and just rifled it off the right field wall. So the hitting tool is very advanced. What I'm getting from people... <laughs> <laughs> I think Michael has, has got Michael, his Michael, wake up. Wake up. Oh, I'm sorry, you want to talk wake some? Up. I'm sorry, I kind of tuned out when you said he commands the bat. I, I kind of tuned out at that little that little thing right there. I'm sorry. Keep going. Keep going. I, 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 I tend to pick up on the, the vernacular that, that I'm around, okay? So, listen, I'm just trying to sharpen your iron here. Um, <laughs> Is that what you call that? Yeah. I'm letting that be. That's awesome. So, but but I, I, I do think on defense, what, what I've been told is the arm is, is, is better than Delano DeShields is right now. The first step is still something that's got to be worked with, but I don't think that the Rangers feel like Delino DeShields has a great first step to, to make some kind of comp. Delino's got more more foot speed than, than Willie does, but the Rangers, I think, feel like there is some, and, and you can tell me this, I mean, you've heard conversations, they feel like there's aptitude to play left field there. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And, I, and, and going back to defense, too, I do think defense is one of those things that, they really can get better with just with just reps. A lot, I think a lot of times I look at you know the Tigers are in town now. My good buddy Ian Kinsler is here. I think Kinsler is a far better defender now. I think this is maybe what his eleventh, twelfth, maybe year in the big leagues. I think he's a much better defender now than when he broke into the league. Yeah, and because a lot of times defensively, 
you start seeing reps. You don't get any more surprises. Anytime a ball comes off the bat, you've seen it before. You learn hitters. You learn tendencies. You know where you're supposed to go. Your instincts kick in another level. And maybe, you know, just like you said, his aptitude uh, in left field will kick in with just more reps. I know a lot of times he was getting a lot of uh, reps at second base uh, with the Dodgers. So uh, it's just a matter now of kind of like finding where we think he's going to excel the most, where, where he's kind of really passionate about playing and, and putting in some work. Michaels, we talk about the uh, progression of young players. I've off, I've often been curious uh, in regard of what we do in the media, how you as a player probably viewed it, and now how you probably view it as somebody that's, uh, I guess, in a talent evaluation role in the front office. Do you think we, because we're paid to form quick opinions, and that's the world we live in now, does it frustrate you that we too often define players too early and pigeonhole their skills? For instance, the U Darvish trade, everybody had to, uh, at least from my uh, my thoughts, everybody felt like they had to have a take and opinion about the trade immediately instead of letting it breathe and letting these guys progress. Yeah, I mean, but that, that, what, what fun would that be? I mean, as fans and as people who want to like, talk about these things and want to get their arms around it and want to see what kind of players are there, what kind of players we're getting, it's a lot of fun to kind of chop that stuff up. Sure. I like Speaking to of jargon, I... get our arms around it? Yeah, stop it. You've already had your chance. Oh, okay. um, get, get, yeah, get, get your arms around, uh, not literally, just from the guy who wants to sharpen iron, not literally, but, uh, you know, finding out exactly, like, who you get and, uh, you know, what his skill set might be, what, what kind of tools the guy has. That's the kind of things that fans love to chop up, and that's, and that's the fun part about it. Um, so I don't think it should change, no. I just think, but I do think it's got to be a combination of the two where you, uh, you don't have to judge the thing immediately or even after the season ends. I mean, these are all young guys who we got back in the Darvish deal, and, um, you know, their careers are all, all ahead of them, and this thing might not be judged for years down the road. And it, Just on the defensive side, mm. Dwayne Murphy, the Rangers outfield coordinator, spent like four days immediately after the trade working one-on-one with, um, with Willie in Round Rock. Now they're on the road. Bobby Jones actually came down from Tulsa to, to Oklahoma City, spent a couple days, didn't work with him one-on-one, just kind of observed. I'm sure he'll give the, the organization some feedback. And as soon as they get back to, to Round Rock, Murphy will work with them again. So this team is very – I think with the idea of a September 1 call-up, this team is very quickly trying to give him as much rep, as much instruction as they possibly can. That was a statement, not a question. <laughs> oh, good, good. Thanks. Um, uh, so let's talk a little bit about the progression. On, <laughs> Whatever you said. Let's talk a little bit about the progression of young players. Um, Joey Gallo's made some progression uh, as the season has gone on, I think. And, and what's your take on that? Because I think you and I both as, as, as students of, uh, of statistics, we know he's something of a statistical freak right now. What is your what is your take on what kind of progression you feel like he's made as this year has gone on? Uh, I'm I'm really proud of Joey. Um, just he's just done an incredible job. Uh, you know, it was very easy for you know uh, you know for people to kind of formulate some opinions early. He was punching out a little bit. Uh, wasn't having the consistently great at bats that that people really wanted to see from a top flight prospect like Joey was. Um, but slowly but surely, he's kind of putting a dent into his career now. A lot of times, these young power hitters, they take a while to kind of develop. Sometimes they come on the scene and, and burst through and figure it out right away. Other times, it takes a while, especially with the big guys, you know, because there's a lot of maintenance required to those big guys' swings. There's, a, there's long arms, long legs, uh, a bigger strike zone. Um, you know, you got to cover some, you usually have to cover bigger holes. Um, so you have to just be patient with those guys and knowing that once it hits, you're going to have a special guy. And uh, the fun thing about Joey is that he's still learning, even though he's made a ton of progress this year. Um, 
offensively, obviously, he's got 33 homers, and um, you know his homers are fun to watch too. You know, they're not they're not the kind of ice to hit where they barely squeak over the fence. I mean, they're they're must see TV kind of homers. So it's a lot of fun for for me to see Joey develop. I think the fun part for me is that Joey still realizes there's a, there's a lot of gears left in there that he hasn't hit yet. He still has a lot of improving to do. He still has a lot of um, a lot of progress to make, and that's a lot of fun for someone like me to see a young kid like Joey really start to develop um, and start to get really hungry for what he sees in his career. He's obviously doing a great job right now. Got a ton of homers and giving our team great defense all over the field, running the base as well. Um, I love where he's at mentally. Uh, it, it's just exactly what you want to see. Um, in terms of the development for a really, really promising young talent like Joey. And I'm, like I said, I'm just very proud of him. What, what do you think the ceiling is on him? Whew. I mean, I, I would say uh, you talk about, well, I think one thing that he'll be known as is one of the premier power hitters in the game. That's, that's probably what, his, uh, what, what he could end up being. Um, it's just a matter of you're never going to, one thing about these, these young hitters is that I think you start to learn. You're never going to figure the game out. It's just too hard. You're not going to figure out what pitchers are always trying to do to you. You're not figuring out what a team's approach with you is always trying to be. What you try and get better at is figuring out yourself, knowing what I do well, knowing what I want to lay off, knowing what, um, how I'm feeling that particular day. And as these young guys uh, start to figure that out, that's when you're going to see their careers really, really start to take off. And with Joey, we've seen it, especially here in the second half. We've really seen it take off. We've seen a much more mature approach to the plate, um, I, th- I thought the, uh, his explanation for turning down the home run derby was spot on. It was great. Um, and you're starting to see like a, a young kid start to figure himself out, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. Michael, Joey's now drawing more walks. I mean, he's been hitting more home runs, but I think a lot of that is just being more patient. And, you know, idiots like me on a postgame show can in April and May go, God, the strikeouts are at a high rate. I wish you would walk more. How tough is, is it to become that much more of a patient hitter when you have – that sort of ridiculous power tool like he has? I mean, that, that, that must be a lot tougher for a guy like him than, say, your typical middle infielder. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's one of those things where it's different strokes for different folks. I mean, every hitter is a little unique in that sense. I mean, you're, sometimes you'll have hitters who, who are just fantastic power guys um, who don't walk so much, uh, and they do punch out a little bit. And then you'll have guys ideally like Joey who's going to be someone who's going to be you know, when I think of when I think of Joey, I think of you know left-handed, big power, big walks. I think Jim Tomey's probably the gold standard for me for a guy I played against for a lot of years in the American League. Um, uh, and that's the kind of guy that I would love to see him be like. I'm not saying you have to be like Jim Tomey, hit 600 career homers, but uh, someone with 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 great power who has a great idea of what he's trying to do every time he goes to the plate. Jim Tomey had a plan. He worked it. If he happened to punch out, it wasn't because he bailed from his plan. Uh, and as a result, a lot of walks. Um, and as time went on, uh, you started seeing you know, his batting average kind of get higher because he just had a better idea of what he wanted to do. And I would expect to say the same thing from Joey, too. The, uh, I, I want to bring up a statistical point here. Joey Gallo has now played 160 career Major League games. So he's basically played a full season, the equivalent of a full season. He's got 40 home runs, 77 RBIs. And I think a lot of that RBI number is because he's hit so low in the order. Um, he's got a 197 career batting average and an 815 OPS, and it's just there's there's no scale like that ever, just never. Seriously, has there ever been a player who's had that there's, kind of numbers? There's never been a player who's had a sub 200 batting average for a season and an 800 or better OPS, and there's never been what I looked at last night. There's never been a player who's had a 850 OPS with a 225 or lower batting average, and right now 
He's hitting 207 with an 881 OPS. So he is a statistical freak. My question about that statistical anomaly, Michael, is this. What does he have to hit as a hitter? Uh, you and I have had some conversations about batting average. I think we both feel like batting average is still significant in its own way. What does he have to be able to hit in the big leagues? Does the batting average matter? Absolutely. Batting average is the rate at which you get hits. I don't think it, but now it's like almost like it's, it, it's flipped. Batting average used to be very important, and now on-base percentage has become such an important thing that people still are saying that batting average is overrated. It's not overrated. It's still very important, just like walks are very important. On-base percentage is very important. Uh, batting average is a guy not going from first to second, a guy, a guy going from first to third, a guy right. going from first to home. So, Evan, you talked about you know, 40 homers and I think 70-some-odd RBIs. Um, and I would, I would disagree. It's not because he's hitting lower in the order. It's because a Joey is on his path to figuring out, instead of going 0 for 4, how to go 1 for 4 and get that single to kind of save your day a little bit. Right. Those the, are the, not the, not all the RBIs days. have to come from home runs. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm living proof of that. I think one year I hit like 9, and I knocked in like 95. I'm not saying that to dig myself. Trust me, there's 9 home runs and nothing I'm trying to brag about. But it, it's possible. Yeah, let's get off of you and home runs, find a shall way to we? Pile up hits. Well, I missed it. Please, 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 please be good, though. I missed it. I said, let's get off of you and home runs. No, that's bad. Okay. Okay. That's be better. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm saying, though, as, as Joey goes, you'll see the RBI total start to shoot up once Joey kind of like. It, it's just, like I said, it's just. I think we're saying the same thing. It's just a natural progression as a hitter. Once he starts to learn himself more and just begins to just do natural improvement because the kid is so talented. You'll see the RBI total shoot up because he's going to learn how to take those singles and doubles. Um, you know, you when see he him as a two fifty hitter, two sixty hitter, two seventy hitter. What do you see his ceiling? I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to put a ceiling on this kid at all. I think the sky's the limit. Okay. Um, I, I don't. I don't want to do that to him. I think that he can do some really, really great things. Um, I obviously, I think there's a hell of a lot more in the tank than than he's showing at this, such a young age. That's not. That's not a slight on. He's just a young kid figuring his way out. But I'm not trying to put a, a ceiling on Joey at all. Um, I do think that, um, I mean, right now he's hitting, I think, 205-ish, and he's still been very productive for us. So uh, to, to figure out how good Joey can be is actually a pretty scary thought. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him develop, I know that. Michael, I'm curious your thoughts on Rugnet Odor and his inconsistencies. I mean, the power's there, still there that he had last year, but you know, the, I guess just the average isn't what it was. Sometimes his discipline uh, varies a little bit. I'm curious your take on where he is right now as a young hitter. Yeah, he's still, Rugi's still on his path too, man. Um, and, you know, one thing with, with, with Rugi right now is that he's, he's still learning, and it's, it's not terribly uncommon for a guy to have you know, maybe his, his his batting average wasn't what it was last year, or his OBP wasn't what it was last year. Um, he's still in the middle of learning. I think that it's a, it's it's good sometimes to remind ourselves, at least it is, and I know it is for me, that this is such a young kid. And at the big leagues, you just don't. It's really really difficult to figure these things out so quickly. But I will say one thing: like I love Ruggie's approach to the game. Uh, he's he's fiery. He's passionate. Ruggie really wants to be great. He's a hungry kid who loves to compete. And I would much rather have a kid like Ruggi who's who can uh, sometimes maybe be guilty of being over-aggressive at the plate than the opposite, a kid who's passive, who's not willing to take a risk, who's not willing to really lay it on the line. Because I'd much rather have a guy you got to pull back a little bit than the one you got to kick in the shorts and get him going. You don't have to kick Ruggi or Jordan in the shorts. He's ready. When that game rolls around, that kid goes out to compete. 
So for me, it's just a matter of just more reps, more learning, and this thing will all start to iron itself out. Baseball is an everyday sport. So over the course of you know, the next couple years of his career, that is a ton of games and a ton of learning that this kid's going to get. And I think at that point, we're going to look up, he's going to be about, what, 24, 25 years old with a lot of time under his belt. Kind of yes. similar to Joey. It's going to be really, really fun to watch this kid, this kid develop. But you know, I've made no secret of the fact that Ruggie's one of my favorite players in the game. I stand by it. I love the kid. Um, I'm really proud that he's a, he's a big part of our organization. All right. Since Wednesday, there have been five different teams that have had the second spot in the American League wildcard race. The yeah. Texas Rangers are three games under five hundred. They've got a week left of games here against teams very far below five hundred. They are three games out. Does this team have a legitimate playoff shot? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that you really it, believe that. Yeah, I mean, look. Let me. You just mentioned. You just gave me every reason why right now with that little with the with that you know those stats you gave. And I, I kind of dozed off for a little bit there, but those the little <laughs> stats you kind of gave right there it gives me some indication that yes, we're right in the thick of it. Um, there's, I mean, Evan, you and I were talking about it the other day. I mean, it's it's still a little bit, uh, kind of slightly heartbreaking, but you know, our 2011 season is a good reminder of what can happen when you get hot at the right time. Right. I think uh, what was it? I mean, how many games back was St. Louis when they when they won the wild card in 2011, he- heading into September? I think they were. I don't uh, know. It, it was more than where we're at. How far we're off now? I know that. Right. Right. Um, so I mean, it, it is very very possible. And by the way, they did that with Adam Wainwright out. So, yeah, we, you know, it, it's, it's very possible. And we have, you know, you look at our, our hitters. Uh, we have a very good group of guys who have had nothing but success. So if those guys can go out and catch fire, play as a team, go out there and do their thing, it could be fun to watch. So I, I would hate to sit there and say that, um, you know, a lot of times when you trade a name like you, Darvish, someone who's very, very good, uh, I think people tend to put the white flag up. But as long as it's not being put up in the clubhouse and they still feel like they have a great chance, which they do, and I know they go out there and they're fighting and they're and they're playing for something. Then anything is absolutely possible. So we're right in the thick of it. It's just a matter of our guys going out there, getting on a bit of a hot streak, and making some noise here down the stretch. The one caveat I'd, I'd add to the St. Louis thing is, and and he and I have mentioned that, and I've mentioned it on Twitter. I think the one distinction that has to be made: the Cardinals were seven and a half out in the wild card race going into September. Wow. Um, but they were also 72 and 64. They were a winning club. Mm-hmm. And, and what I haven't seen from the Rangers is any ability to sustain. But I do or think, any of these clubs. Right. <laughs> and and, and that's, I, I think the American League right now is just mediocre enough that a team that has one 20-game hot stretch, maybe even not 20 games, is going to end up with that second wild card spot. And if you do roll into the playoffs hot, I think we've seen it over and over and over again. The playoffs are a crapshoot. Michael, you mentioned the U Darvish trade a, a few minutes ago. I want to go back to that. Just as, as a former player, what's that like when you trade away an all-star yet your playoff hopes aren't out the window yet? What, what does that do to, to the room? What kind of vibe is there after a move like that's made? Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of an odd feeling because I think that we haven't been in this position uh, in a while. Uh, you know, Our front office has done nothing but add over the last several seasons. Uh, so I do think that our players kind of respect that. I think they get the fact that, hey, listen, they, they knew where they were at the time of the deadline. We got a really, really good pitcher who's about to be a free agent. It just it, it, those things kind of happen in the game. Um, you know, I've, it, I've been on both ends. When you, when, you know, you trade away, say, a Mark Teixeira, who was one of my good friends at the time, and we thought we'd be here playing in Texas together for a long time. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, a couple of years go by in your career and things kind of start to shift. And I've been in situations where we add a guy like Cliff Lee. So I've been on both ends of the of the spectrum, and um, 
you know, as long as you kind of just, when you lose a guy, it's a bit of a, it's, it's deflating at least initially. Uh, but once you kind of get back out there and get back at the task at hand, um, uh, recognize you have a job to do, then, you, you know, your professional instincts kind of kick in a little bit. Uh, but, I mean, this team does know what it's like to kind of continue to fight through it. They've been, they've been you know, in, like I said, in situations where um, they've added um, and it, it's paid off. But, I mean, a couple of years ago when we were just a snake bitten by injuries, I mean, they know what it's like to kind of scuffle down the stretch too. So they've kind of been on both sides of the spectrum. So they know what it's like to fight, to, uh, fight through that finish line. Michael, one more question for me. Adrian Beltre gets the big 3,000th hit a few weeks ago. Just an awesome scene at the ballpark. I mean, it's been just a blast watching this guy do what he's done since he's been here. But I'm curious how, how you view it. And just, just from, a I guess, a more of a selfish-type player standpoint, this is a guy that was brought here that moved you off your position. What's that been like for you to see this whole uh, Ranger uh, career of Adrian Beltre? I'm, I'm very curious about that. I've, I've loved it. I've, um, you know, when Adrian was in St. Uh, Seattle, I got, we had a chance to play against each other a lot. I think we developed a lot of respect for each other um, at the time, and that was the thing. He was in Seattle for about five years at the time, and um, so we got to play against each other a lot, talk to each other a lot. Uh, so I had a, obviously a ton of respect for him uh, when, for not only how good a player he was, but um, for how he played. Played hurt, played hard. At the time when we actually had real rules of baseball, you can take a guy out in the middle of the infield, and Adrian's always one of those guys that I was playing when I was playing short, who I knew was going to be coming in the hardest. Um, I just really loved the way he played. Um, and then when we obviously came in, and uh, um, when he came in in 2011, gave us a huge shot in the arm in terms of just adding one more player. I think that year we got both Adrian and Knapp at the same time. Knapp had yeah. a monster year that year, too. And it really just set the stage for that team just being a really, really great baseball team. But, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I'm so impressed with is, is just his longevity. Uh, obviously, Adrian's been a great player, and you don't see guys really kick it in gear like he has uh, in their mid to late 30s. It's just been really fun to watch him um, still go out and play at this level. This is not easy to do. Um, you know, I know when I was I retired, my last year I was 36 years old, and it was, it was tougher. You know, I was always hurt. There was always, you know, a lot more effort to just get on the field and play. Um, and Adrian makes it look easy, and it's not. And... Um, just a ton of respect for him as a person, as a player, and, and what he's meant to our organization since he's been here. I have to ask, are you going to buy the road or the home Lonzo Ball jersey this year as you get ready for the uh, NBA I season? The, uh, no, I'm not really big on the on the jersey thing, um, but I'll probably get the I'll, I'll get my kids the jerseys. But I'll get the white okay. one. I like their Sunday whites. I'm a big fan of those. You'll you'll, you'll drop the 450 on the big baller brand shoes though, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I'll get them for Evan. How about that? Yeah, Evan will wear them yeah, along with his tired socks. I'm sure he's. Gonna be, Along with his uh, with his uh, with his Atlanta Falcons jersey, or his, or his George, his fake school Georgia Bulldogs jersey, and street totes around town all the time. Well, this has been a half an hour that I'll never get back of my life. Okay. Um, yeah. we we've enjoyed having you and getting all your little opinions and all of that. So um, we will Jeez. talk to you soon. I uh, I do appreciate it. And um, you got anything else you want to add? Are you talking to me? Yeah. You. <laughs> Mike, I want to apologize on behalf yes. of the rest of the of the uh, Ballsy podcast for Evan's I conduct. That. I appreciate that, and uh, if I can get that in writing, that'd be great. Because I mean, <laughs> it is uh, it is dealing with Evan Grant has been. Uh, I could write a book on dealing what it's like to deal with Evan Grant before and after baseball games. <laughs> and I saw, right when I saw it, I announced my little retirement here, and I thought I'd be moving on. It's just gotten worse. <laughs> so. Um, it's been a life lesson learned for sure. I think I'm a much, much better person for it. I know I'm a better father for it. My patience level has kicked in about 100 folds and still with Evan Grant. Well, Michael, thanks for the time today. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, have a great rest of the week, man. We'll talk to you soon. See you guys.
See ya. <laughs> See ya. There's Michael Young on the Ballsy Podcast. You should be nicer to him. He's nice enough to join this ham and egg podcast, and you're just going to throw darts? Come on, Evan. Oh, Evan's offended by that, that snoring thing. That was a pretty good one, though. That you got to admit really that good. was good. I like that. Really I was on a roll. <laughs> you were on a roll. And he snored. You must like, be butter. On a Kaiser roll. Very, I'm very offended. Well, the club is, uh, man, they're three games back of a second wild card spot. It's going to take a Herculean effort. I mean, what are we talking, 84, 85 wins just to be in that conversation? Yeah, and, and I, I think that's, you know, they're, they're sitting there right now with um, three games under 500. To, uh, to get to 85 wins, they've got to go 28 and 15. I mean, I think it's doable, but I, it, it does require one 20-game Hot scorching hot stretch, and they just and they just haven't done that. They haven't done it. They in the middle of it now, though. That's the question. You know, they won two out of three from Houston. They they've got this this stretch here. Um, You go to L.A. next week. That's a team that's ahead of you in the wild card standings. You can make up some ground there. I, I, I. but what about the bullpen? What's I mean? You got uh, Kellis out, and who knows what his, his situation is. You got Ricky be. Rodriguez, bro, and and you yeah. got Alex Claudio, who it appears we're we're absolutely bound and determined to see if you can blow out a guy's arm, even though he throws yeah. eighty seven. Yeah. A rubber he, arm. He has um, he's thrown uh, I think twenty three innings since August first, second most in the American League. I I, I think. Listen, I, what I said to somebody the other day is the American League is just mediocre, mediocre enough. Mediocre. And baseball is just crazy enough that all the teams that the Rangers have had that have won 90-plus games and all the times that they should, you felt like they should have gone to the World Series, and here they have traded you, Darvish, the game is just crazy enough that this team, after all of this, squeaks into the wild card as a hot team, Runs through the uh, uh, Amer- an American League that to me still has not got a team that's head and shoulders above everybody, and ends up facing you, Darvish, in the World Series. How crazy would that well, be? Well, and even if they don't do that, even if they don't even make the the second wild card, I'm just happy it's an interesting summer. Right. I, I mean, after April and May, things look so so bleak. I'm just glad that people are still engaged at this point, and I I think that's where I'm at. I'm just hoping for you're still going to get slightly some, over 500. Honestly, you're going to go into September with the idea of of meaning, even though they they may not be a 500 team, that there are going to be some meaningful games. And yeah. you know, if you call up Willie Calhoun, there's going to be somebody interesting yes. to go out there and watch. Absolutely. So. so, yeah, next week we will talk more Rangers baseball here on the Ballsy Podcast. Yes, we will. All right, let's. Let's let's go to football. Take us out, Sean. Yes, we have a college football podcast this week with Chuck Carlton of the Morning News, and we will talk to David Moore about all the Cowboys chaos going on and the Ezekiel Elliott suspension and pending appeal. So be sure to tune into that. Thanks to everybody. Again, thanks to Michael Young, the former face of the franchise, the future Ranger Hall of Famer. Might even have his number retired one day, much like we had Pudge's number seven retired this past week. He was awesome, and uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.